So I do think that like there is opportunity for design at different stages in the process and that it should not be the last thing. If anything, I try to use design as the first thing to sort of help kick off those conversations and do those early explorations. Welcome to Design Life, a show about design and side projects for motivated creatives. I'm one of your hosts, Charlie. And I am your other host, Femkit. And in this episode, we're going to target a listener question. I always love these because they're really juicy and it's a good way for us to help the community out. So in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about how being a designer is more than just pushing pixels. There is a lot of Mm -hmm. other things when it comes to being a designer, like planning, research, scoping, communicating, exploring, wireframing, testing, research. I could go on. And I want to read out this question that we got from a listener in Brazil, which is really cool. And they said, I have been a graphic designer for over five years, though about a year and a half ago migrated into UX design. However, apparently one of the last things UX does is designing. I'm getting really (laughs) frustrated because designing is what I really love to do. Designing screens, designing flows, etc. I'm an introvert and having to interview users, run tests and things like that is killing me. Please help me. This is like a little cry for help and I I really want to help this person. Yeah, and I'm hoping uh, the last uh, sentence about introversion, I'm hoping, Charlie, you can shed some light on that later on in the episode because I know that you're a self-proclaimed introvert. But before we get into this, let's do a little bit of a catch up because you are currently in a completely different continent than normal. So tell us where you are, what you're up to. (laughs) Well, as the people, well, I was going to say they might be able to guess, but maybe they wouldn't. I I think if people were to guess, they would probably guess I was in the United States, in North America, probably. Uh, But actually, right now I'm in New Zealand. I'm staying with my parents for a bit. Me and Mark are over here just visiting my family for the month of January Uh, And that's really nice because it is summer here in New Zealand. Yay! I have the blue sky shining out my window. I can see Mount Monganui. And yeah, it's it's been great so far. That's so awesome. And you're there for a little while, right? Just catching up, having fun with family. I'm so jealous. Yeah, it's a nice long trip. We're here for about six weeks total with time split between all the different cities my family lives in, (laughs) uh, as well as we're going to do a road trip in the South Island. So it's going to be super fun. Amazing. So for this trip, I have purchased a new little like travel podcasting microphone. It's very cute. But if I sound different to usual, that's the explanation. (laughs) We we forgive you. I'm just glad that you have a mic and that we can continue recording these episodes while you're traveling. It's great. Yes, Yes, me too. How how about you, Fem? Uh, I am doing pretty good I what have I been up to uh this week actually tomorrow I am running some user testing user research sessions on my own um our researcher has been a little bit busy and she wasn't quite able to run the research all by herself so I was like that's okay no problem this actually ties in really well with our episode I didn't intend for it to but (laughs) I was like that's no problem I'm happy to sort of put a research hat on and help conduct the research and run some interviews so I'm like half excited half nervous because I've never really officially run research interviews on my own usually the researcher is conducting the interview and I'm kind of sitting in the room taking notes and observing but 
this time tomorrow, I'm actually going to be running the interview myself. So I'm kind of excited, kind of nervous. I was working through the interview script today to make sure I have all the questions down that I want to ask. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I've been focusing on over the last week. And I'm starting to also scope out potential design conferences to attend this year. We have an education budget at work, so I'm trying to figure out what I want to spend that on this year. Don't know yet. Kind of leaning more towards the kind of like retreat workshop style events rather than like a big conference. But I don't know. We'll see. I'll be excited to hear whatever you come up with for that because the retreat style thing is definitely what I'm preferring these days too. I'm going to Within this year. I don't know if I've said that on the show yet, but I'm so excited for you. The conference that, yeah, that you went to last year, we did a an episode where I got to quiz you about it. And so I feel like I learned a lot about the event <laughs> and really fell in love with the idea of it and really excited that I get to go and would love to hear about more of those sorts of things. Yeah. I just love the intimacy of those. Um, somebody at my work was posting a link to a conference today and they were like, oh, they just announced their first 100 speakers. And I was like, wait, what? Their first what? 100? <laughs> like, how how big is this conference? Turns out there's 900 speakers. This is no joke. This is a conference. I think it's called Collision in San Francisco. Okay. And it sounds big. <laughs> it sounds huge. And I was just like, I don't know if I want to go to those conferences anymore. Like, you know, you often see them boasting like, oh, like, 30,000 attendees and now I read that and I'm like I don't want to go <laughs> like it's so overwhelming so yeah I don't know I'm gonna try and scope out some more intimate smaller events this year I know you probably can't use your work budget on this but I just want to give a plug that you should come to craft and commerce I know you've already uh, told me it's this. a I know but I want to tell you live on the podcast do it, do so it. everyone <laughs> knows I've done it because I just think it, this is the conference we put on at ConvertKit, by the way, for anyone listening who hasn't heard me talk about it before. And we just like, I don't know, because I get to be involved in this conference and in the curating of it and in how it's, you know, set up and stuff like that. I, it's like an ideal conference for me in terms of the number of people there is about 400 is, is who attends. So it's like a nice small group but still enough variety that you're going to get really interesting perspectives. And But yeah, it would for sure be a conference more for you to um, improve your side hustle and your mm -hmm, YouTube mm -hmm. stuff. I don't know if Uber would <laughs> get much benefit from you attending. <laughs> I don't know. I, I will think about it. It does look really cool. I was just looking at the website the other day. I don't think you've announced yet all the speakers, have you? We haven't announced any of the okay, speakers okay. yet, to be honest, which is why it's surprising that we've sold out half the tickets already. <laughs> <laughs> Must have thrown a really good show last year. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Anyway, sure, enough of that. Should we get on to today's topic? Yes, yes, let's. Okay, so this person is struggling with the extra tasks, extra responsibilities and requirements of being a designer. So I'm curious, Charlie, what your experience with this has been, because I definitely find that even though my role is a product designer, I am definitely not like pushing pixels sitting in Figma from nine to five every day. There's so many other parts related to my role that I kind of need to do in order to be successful as a designer that while I do spend a lot of time designing, it's probably, I would say maybe 60% of my time if I had to kind of ratio it out. So what about you? What's your experience been? What would you kind of call your ratio? I think mine's probably about the same. It may even honestly these days be closer to 50-50. Mm -hmm. just because there's been a lot of like project management stuff I've been doing lately and, and as a remote employee in a remote company um, you spend a lot of time like 
making sure you're communicating and writing things up and keeping other people on on track with what you're doing. Um, well, I guess that's no different to the time you spend in meetings if you're in an office, but but yeah. Uh, did it surprise you when you became a designer femme to learn or just notice how much time you weren't actually in design software? Like, did you expect that you would be in design software nine to five? Yeah. Doing your job. Uh, yeah, Same. pretty much. Like as a, as a new designer, yes. And I even remember, I think it took me like a month when I joined Uber to actually start designing. Like the first month was full of so much, especially like when you join such a big company, there's so much onboarding and education and like learning about the projects and the products and the problems. And it was just like a month of education that it wasn't until my second month that I remember like actually opening up a design tool. And I remember thinking like, being kind of annoyed about it actually and being a bit disappointed. Like, man, why did it take me a month to get here to actually sort of start designing yeah I I mean I still have moments where I feel like the only real like I'm only really properly working when I'm in design software and I know that's not true I know that all the other things I do the user research the like project planning like the coding sometimes for me um, all those other things even just the thinking those are all enabling you to be in a good position when you do open up the design software and start moving pixels around and, you know, enabling you to do it well. But for some reason, it does still feel like the the design work, the moving pixels is, is the proper work. And the rest of it kind of feels like, oh, I need to cut down on this so that I can get back to doing the proper work, even though I know that's not true. It's just like a hang up, I guess, from the perception of, of being a designer, I suppose. Well, I kind of see it as design is my deep work like that's when I really yeah, that makes sense. I go into the zone I have full focus I might block out a couple of hours like for me to design I need solid uninterrupted hours of time I just cannot design anything in like half an hour breaks between meetings or 10 minutes between no, oh this gosh. and that it's just it's just not possible so for me my design time is like my deep focus time so for me, my design time is like my deep focus time. And this is something I'm actually trying to figure out. I actually tweeted recently a screenshot of my calendar at work. I don't know if you saw this tweet, yes, but I saw that. it was so busy. I basically had over yeah. the course of three days, maybe like two hours free. And so this is something that I'm trying to figure out myself is like, how can I better create focus blocks and opportunities for deep work because in my job it's very very easy like if I wanted it to be design could be 20% of my time like it's very very easy to get pulled into meetings to like put my product manager hat on and like do some product manager responsibilities to get pulled into research you know we have such a cross-functional team that if I let it happen design could end up being like honestly the last thing on my on my list in a day because I simply wouldn't have the time, which is not how I want it to be, obviously. Yeah, but I do think that perhaps we get this ratio and where the time we're actually spending physically designing becomes less is because all of the work that we put in outside of that, if it is if it is good quality work, if it's not meetings for the sake of meetings, which we know can happen in companies, whatever, if it's research, if it's testing, uh, that sort of stuff, all of that actually makes the design phase easier yes, and helps you get to a solution faster. Because you, even though you're sitting down to a blank page slash screen, 
it's not really blank because you've got all this knowledge in your head, you've got all these ideas that have come about, um, like if they're not fully formed yet, they're sitting there just under the surface waiting to be poured out because you've spent this time fully understanding the research and the data so that you're in a better position when you do start designing. Totally. Like if I, now that I think about it, if I were to sit down and start a project by like opening up Figma and just saying like, okay, I'm only going to design for this project. I'm not going to do any other things. I wouldn't know where to begin. I think I'd just be kind of almost paralyzed because I wouldn't have any of that insight, that knowledge, that context that could then help inform my design decisions. And, you know, obviously when we're designing, we want to design for success. You know, we want to create a product that works and that helps solve the business needs, but then also helps, you know, create a good experience. And if you're not kind of doing your quote unquote homework or like, communicating with your other cross-functional partners and learning about their sort of responsibilities and their domain within the project, then I don't know how, how you can be informed to make good decisions in your design. I think that the level of other stuff is probably different in different companies. Like, um, like you were just talking about having to run the user research tests yourself, whereas usually you have a user researcher to do that. So probably your time is spent, um, like synthesizing and like understanding the data, you don't have to be the one putting the work into the pre-interview questions and stuff like that. So because you don't have a researcher for this project, that's some extra stuff you're doing. I wonder if this listener who emailed in is perhaps at a smaller company where they don't have separate roles for all these other things. And so they are having to do it all themselves, which is what I have to do at ConvertKit. Like, um, luckily we do have a data analyst, so I can work with her on understanding a lot of the data on our website but I run all of the user research and and testing myself Mm -hmm. and just because we don't have a separate person to do that our company isn't big enough for that to be a separate role so it becomes part of my role to do that you know yeah we actually had a really good comment that relates to this in our community from Al and he is in similar sort of position of you where he's like a team of one right so he's the only designer so he says as a team of one only about half of my job is actually design the other half is understanding the problem at hand communicating effectively between stakeholders and team members irrespective of their design expertise so this kind of sounds similar to maybe you at ConvertKit where you don't have a dedicated researcher and so you kind of have to wear a couple of different hats right and this is very common I think in like startups or early stage tech companies or small tech companies where, you know, your level of role and responsibility might have to extend beyond the traditional, you know, just being a designer. Sadly, I don't have context from this listener who sent us this question, what their kind of company is and whether they, you know, are expected to take on these additional responsibilities or not. It sounds like they are, if they're working on them, it sounds like there's not another person on the team doing that stuff. Um, and that this person has to handle it themselves. I wonder if, and I'm trying to say this not too harshly, I wonder if this is the right role for them, if that's not stuff they enjoy Mm -hmm. and if that's stuff that they find um, is not like their zone of genius or is if they're finding that it's not helping them too. Um, Maybe there's a few things wrong here. Maybe the maybe you need to get learn to get better at research and as an introvert because I know that they mentioned that I'm an introvert also and I also found this very awkward to start with um honestly what helped me get through that and get past that is realizing that I am the professional here and I'm kind of in charge of this 
and it's okay if things get a little awkward at times as well. <laughs> yeah. Like, whatever, this is not a date. You're not, like, <laughs> you know, going to see this person again, maybe. So it's okay. It doesn't matter. Like, learn from it um, and try and do better next time. I, I try to not only analyze what the user has done in, in a research and, and test that I've run, but also what I did. So I write down notes on, oh, this is what we could improve on the site because the user had this problem. And then I also write down, I could do better at this next time and said I should ask this question then because this, you know, and I analyze my own kind of performance as well. So mm -hmm. that might be a little tip there to help you start feeling a bit more confident with interviewing users and, and testing and things. But I think you do have to learn to, if not enjoy it, to get value from it and to see the value in it and realize that the time you're spending on that is actually making you a better designer. I am a vastly better designer now that I have been conducting user research and doing tests and looking at data than I was before I focused on all those things. Like, vastly. It's It's been a game changer for me. It's why I was able to get promoted at work recently as well. So these are amazing skills to pick up. And yeah, I just, I hope that this person can start to see the value in that um, and take it as an opportunity and as a way to improve their actual design skills for when they are designing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Maybe this is not the right company for them. You know, maybe they would be better off at a company that can provide more resources in the different disciplines so that they don't have to wear those extra hats. I think also uh, one thing another community member talked about was sort of helping to communicate the value of design and the why behind your work mm -hmm. to other peers. So Kelly said, you know, it's helpful to be able to defend your own work and also the why behind the work you put out. And I think what she's trying to say there is like, if you don't have the extra context and knowledge that goes into the design, then it's going to be really hard for you to defend your solution and also explain the why. Like, why did you make these decisions? If you don't have that context, then that's going to be really hard for you. And Kelly also went on to say, you know, your peers will hopefully begin to understand the importance of what you create if you can defend your work and sort of have this why mm -hmm. behind it. So I do think it's important at the very least for any designer. So even designers who, you know, maybe you have research seeing as we're talking about research a lot maybe that's an extra discipline that you have that as a resource even so i still think that being a designer part of that role and responsibility is knowing the why behind the design decisions that you've made and in order to know the why you're going to have to put in a bit of work that's not necessarily pushing pixels but is trying to help understand what the problem is so that you can better solve for that problem Yes, exactly. And even um, in your role right right now at Uberfem, you have a researcher, right? Yes. But if you decided to move somewhere else in the future, maybe you'd end up at a smaller company where there wasn't a separate role. Exactly. And so the time you're spending to be involved and like sit in on tests and, you know, conduct one yourself every now and then uh, opens up your skills and possibilities for the future as well. So, yeah, I think it's important. But that maybe this person, either they could advocate for hiring a separate researcher if they feel this is something that's really taking away from their time to be in their zone of genius um, or look for a role at a company where that already exists and they can instead of conducting the test themselves spend time reading the results watching replays yeah. that sort of thing in order to get that research knowledge yeah it does kind of concern me a little bit in this listener's question that 
designing is one of the last things UX does Mm. because I don't agree with that. I don't think designing is the last thing. And so if that's happening to you right now, then I think something might be up. And I also think that there is opportunities to bring design into every stage of the design process or the product process. So even if you're maybe you're at the very, very early stages, so you don't yet know what what you're creating or what the solution is going to be, there's still a role for design there. You could like create some mock-ups, create some early stage ideas, maybe some flows, like create different ideas and different explorations and bring that to the table to help foster the discussion, for example. So I do think that like there is opportunity for design at different stages in the process and that it should not be the last thing. If anything, I try to use design as the first thing to sort of help kick off those conversations and do those early explorations. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe it's a change to the process that's needed here um, to fit that zone of ge- zone of genius, you know. I personally read this as being like a, a little bit, um, what's the word for it? hyperbolic well one of the last things you do is designing meaning like you spend so much time doing all this other stuff because it can feel like that some weeks yeah I don't know about you but I find I have some weeks more than others that are focused more on um, the other stuff and less on the design tools and it sucks when those weeks um, don't align with the time available like you said you had these three days where you had like two hours spare um, Mm -hmm. to focus on stuff in in half an hour chunks or whatever you're right, that's not a recipe for getting good solid design work done. You do need focus time for that. I've had that recently where there was a week where really the only work I had to do was solid design work. I didn't have a whole lot of these other tasks that can be slotted in, you know. But my week was organized in a way that I, I was traveling a lot and there was like my days were broken up and things. And so I needed that work that could be slotted in. And I didn't, like, that wasn't the work that needed to be done. So that was a problem. Um, so that's one thing that I think a way to get around this is managing your week in and the work that you have on to make sure you have those focus design slots. And if you can't have them that week, make sure you know what else you can be doing to be useful and to be moving your projects forward that isn't focus design time if, if you can't have that. What do you think, I'm curious to hear from you, other tasks that design should not be doing? So at what Ooh. stage would you say no, that's not like my responsibility. You should go to this person. Or we did have a tweet around like being a T-shaped designer, you know, so um, just like, should you be very broad and have like a range of skills or should you just be very narrow and just be focused and go deep into one specific area? So I guess I'm curious to hear from you, like where your boundaries are, like, where would you say, no, this is not design's responsibility. Oh, this is a good question. So first of all, the point on the T-shaped skill set, I think there's also a V-shaped skill set. I've made a video talking about this that I don't think will be live by the time this podcast episode <laughs> goes up. But it's basically about this concept of, yeah, digging deep on one skill and building your other skills around it to support that main skill. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's important for all designers to do eventually. I don't think when you first start out, you have to do that. I think it's good to try a, a broad range of things. There we go. You just had the gist of my video right there. (laughs) Spoiler. But that is the point, right? That all the other things you're doing should be things that support your design work. So if you find yourself doing things that aren't making you a better designer and aren't, aren't helping you with the design of your projects, those are the things that I think need to go. And I'm trying to think of some examples of what that could be. Maybe it's like, I don't know, you find yourself having to be the person who 
not only designs the social media images, but you also have to post them on social media. Okay, right. That kind of sucks for a designer because that's an extra task that really doesn't like require your skill set. Sure, you can do it, but couldn't someone else do that mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. Know, on the team? And when you're in a small company, like we said, sometimes you end up doing things like that that perhaps aren't, you know, the ideal things you should be doing. Um, I, I sometimes end up doing this sorts of things at ConvertKit. Like when we have our conference, like we talked about at the start, I go along to that and I present a workshop. Usually there's some sort of design um, like angle to it. So that's good. But also I end up helping out at the conference, right? Like I'm in the elevator directing people to the correct floor. Right. <laughs> you do not need someone with a design degree to be doing that. But, you know, it's part of my job. I'm happy to do that because it's like an event. It's like a one-time thing and it's not an ongoing yeah, totally. thing. And it helps me connect with our customers I guess but that would be the thing that I think designers should be doing I can't really think of any more examples can you think of some specifics of what designers should be doing yeah I I have an example actually that just came out very very recently last week go for it where essentially I'm changing or I'm making a proposal for a design that overlaps with another team in the company so I want to make this change And it's going to affect another team's uh, product also, basically. So I kind of went to that team and I was like, hey, this is the changes that I want to make. And this is how it's going to impact your product also. Uh, So just wanted to align on it. And they were like, yeah, that looks good with us. Great, great. So then I went to my engineers about it. And now my engineers are asking, well, who's responsible for actually building this change? Is it us or is it that other team? Because it's technically Mm. their surface also. So then there's a whole like technical engineering discussion there of like who's responsible. And engineering came and asked me that question. And I was like, oh, (laughs) I don't think I'm the right person to make that decision. Uh, I think that's more of a product decision that like the product managers need to talk to each other and figure out like which team is responsible for which and and who ultimately is going to build it. So yeah, that's the example that came to my mind of recently when I had to kind of be like, actually, no, this isn't like my decision. This isn't my responsibility to sort out. Let's defer it to someone who has more domain knowledge about this and who's more responsible for these kinds of questions. I think that was a good thing for you to do in that case because what was being asked of you was like prioritization. It wasn't asking for your opinion or anything like that. It was someone being like, who owns this? Mm-hmm. And like as a designer who is not like the lead designer or, you know, someone in a position of power, you're right. You shouldn't be asked to be deciding that. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to have business impact. So of course you should consult and like defer it to your manager person. Um, I want to bring in something Brian said, though, in the community to do with this, though, um, and to do with doing work that isn't technically your job, that sort of thing. Um, He says, I help my team to understand that we have to understand the problems and work through solutions to have proper context. Some designers on the team often don't put the work in and rely on our product owners and business analysts to do the work. Mm -hmm. So there is a point where you're saying, I need this research, but it's not my job to make it happen. I'm just going to wait for this person to get it to me, take some ownership and, you know, dive in and do it. The fact that you were being involved in that discussion in the first place shows that you were putting in the work and, you know, staying in touch with the context, but that you also knew when to step out and when, yeah, like not to step on toes as well, you know, like you don't want to be making decisions for someone else when it's their job to do that. Totally, totally. Yeah, I think being proactive is really important and people will value you for doing that. But I think it's also about 
being smart in how much you can do and what you should prioritize. And like you said, Mm -hmm. like, I don't want to take over the researcher's job and just run my whole research program without telling her, but I do want to be informed in the research, right? So it's like finding the right level of, of engagement and involvement and collaboration. Um, So yeah, I think it's also important to know like when to step in and also when to step out. Yeah. That when to step out is a hard one for me being at a small company and, you know, being a person of many hats, especially when I started at the company, um, when it was a lot smaller than it is now. So I'm used to having to do a lot more than perhaps I need to be doing at this stage. Um, so a challenge for me is making sure I do delegate or like entrust others with things when it is more related to their domain than it is mine. Um, an example of this is earlier this, well, I was going to say earlier this year, but I mean, it's 2020, it's really early in the year. (laughs) I mean, in 2019, I found myself like we were producing a new system for running our workshops. So like our signup pages and then sending out the replay and that sort of thing. It's the thing Corey and I worked on together on the design and build of this fancy new system. And as we were porting things over and like getting set up in the new system, I was like, okay, I need to set up all the evergreen webinars in this new system because we had them running in the old one. I need to make a new page, put in the new links and that sort of thing, set them up, find where the email sequence is, make sure it's sending to the right place. None of this is stuff that I really should have been doing. Like, yeah, instead of just doing like I did it myself because I was like, eh, it's going to be faster if I just do it rather than explain it to someone else. And that is not a good attitude to have um, Mm. because that's, that means that um, knowledge, your knowledge is being siloed. If you think you're really the only person who can do this job that isn't related to your main skill set correctly, there needs to be more documentation around it so that someone else can easily step in and do it and that they don't have to rely on you. So yeah, probably instead of spending the time to do that, I should have taken the time to write up the process and given it to our workshops team and be like, hey, you need to do this so that we can use the new system. Yeah. But I don't know. I was... I find it hard to ask people to do things and to, when I, especially when I know it'll, be, it'll burden them and be like added to their workload. Instead, I'd rather add it to my own workload and like <laughs> me be the one to suffer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It is hard to know when to step out, especially like as things change and in your situation, right? Like maybe two years ago it was fine and expected of you to do that. But now that you've grown, you know, it's not really your responsibility anymore and that can be hard. Yeah, but at the same time, you you shouldn't find yourself saying, oh, that's not my job a lot, you know? Right, yeah. That's a bad, that's just a bad attitude to have, I think, to say that's not my job and, and refuse to do things when people ask you. Um, I think it's good to, if it truly is something that you feel like you shouldn't be doing and that there is someone else at the company who would do it better, make sure you point the person towards who should be doing that, mm-hmm. I guess is my advice. Yeah, I think in summary for this person, I mean... They love designing the screens and the flows. I would say make it known to your peers that that's your strength and that's your skill, first of all, because who knows, maybe they don't know that about you. Maybe they don't know how much you love that part of the process or that that's your great point, you know, strength. So I would recommend that. Make sure people know that's your skill, that's your strength. So people utilize that. And then secondly, I think the advice you gave earlier in this episode, Charlie, of like, find a way to get value from those other things is super, super key. Because if you find that value, then I think it will just make it a lot easier for you to embrace that extra task or embrace that extra part of the process. And in turn, it will help you do better work. 
So I think those are kind of my two key pieces of advice for this person after discussing this with you on this episode. Yeah, I, I wish them a lot of luck. And and again, if maybe as a last resort, maybe it's not the right company or it's not the right role. That would be my last resort if the things I mentioned earlier don't work out to maybe consider something else. But yeah, make sure people know what you love to do and then also find the value in the other things. I think that's fantastic advice, Fem. And that this sort of thing, even though it's frustrating to find yourself in a situation where you're doing something you don't enjoy, you're learning more about yourself and your skill set and you're learning what suits you better so that um, if you can't find joy in it and find the value in it, uh, I think, honestly, I think taking that attitude shift will really help a lot. That's what really helped me in terms of looking at data and that sort of stuff. But if it doesn't, you've learned, okay, I suit a UX role where I don't have to be doing this stuff myself. I suit a UX role where there is already a researcher on the team to do it. So you know when you're applying for other jobs to ask about that and that can help you validate which which roles are going to be right. Totally. Thank you to this listener for submitting <laughs> submitting this trouble that you were going through. And I had a really good time discussing this topic, actually. It was good. Yeah, I hope it was useful for them and for anyone else listening as well. And I also want to say thank you to our community members who contributed their own thoughts on this discussion it's always fun when we have a podcast topic that also gets discussed prior in the community i feel like it helps me form my thoughts around it better (laughs) and if you want to join the community then we have a patreon now which is very exciting yes it's a a new system for supporting us for allowing us to keep running this show because it, it is not free unfortunately to run a podcast and we really appreciate everyone who signed up to support. I think we're about, did you say 70% to our goal of having the podcast funded? I, yeah, Is that right, somewhere Pam? about that. Yeah. That's awesome. So thank you to everyone who signed up already and um, helping to support us. And it's like a, a benefit of supporting on Patreon. You also get access to the community now that's included. So sign up on patreon.com slash design life. And um, yeah, we'll see you in the community, I hope. Yeah. And I will also send you a sticker which I thought I would plug Ooh. because people love stickers and it's a really cute one yep. that Charlie designed. Stickers. <laughs> yes, please join our community on Patreon. And if you want to listen to more episodes of Design Life, you can go to designlife.fm. You can also follow us on Twitter. We have a Twitter. You can submit episode topic suggestions there or you can just give your feedback or thoughts on a topic that we will be discussing in an upcoming episode like we had from a few people in this show. So yes, please follow us there and we look forward to talking to you in the next episode. Sounds good. See you next time, Pam. Bye.